Welcome back to another episode of the Girls Talk Money podcast and the first ever episode of the Girls Talk Money podcast with a guest. Girls Talk Money also just celebrated kind of a big milestone in the podcasting space this week. Um, When we're filming this, we just posted our 10th podcast episode ever, which to you guys, that might not seem like a big deal, but I guess it actually is. Apparently over 70% of podcasts don't make it to episode 10 and 90% of podcasts don't make it to episode 20, which is kind of crazy, but it's also really encouraging because I know for me personally, I'm feeling so good about the podcast. We're getting so much better at it, feeling so much more comfortable behind the camera. And we have really exciting episodes lined up for 2024 for Girls Talk Money. How are you feeling about it, Grace? I feel like we're just getting on a roll. I couldn't imagine stopping at 10. Like we have so many ideas too, that we, I feel like are going to hit that 20 episode that we already have the first 20, like mapped out in our content calendar. So I don't know. I'm excited, but I'm also really proud of us because I mean, we kind of started this not knowing a single thing about podcasting and here we are. So that's so true. We did not know anything about it, but we've been getting such good feedback from you guys and we want to continue to hear the feedback. If you want to send us a DM on Instagram or respond to questions or leave comments or feedback in Spotify, any feedback is so much appreciated. Any episode ideas that you guys want to hear about, we're also, like we said, because we're obviously bringing a guest on today, we are starting to integrate guest episodes into the podcast in 2024. So if you have any guest ideas for people you want to see onto the podcast, definitely let us know because we're so excited. This is going to be like such a big thing for us in 2024. And I know for me personally, like just kind of thinking about how I'm allocating my time this year, the podcast is such a big part of that. So I'm very, very excited. But we are so excited to share today's episode with you guys. We're bringing on Megan Lim from Megan Makes Money to talk all things side hustles. Megan is a friend of Grace and I's. Um, We had the opportunity to hang out with Megan in person at FinCon in the fall. And I actually can't think of a better person to bring on as the first ever Girls Talk Money guest. Megan will tell you her story herself, but Megan is so inspiring. She provides so much value to her audience in the personal finance space, all about side hustles, what to do if you become unemployed, which are all things that we're going to be talking about in today's episode. But before we bring in Megan, let's do our weekly recap. We haven't filmed in a few weeks because of the holidays. So I feel like Grace and I, we have so much to catch up on. What is going on in your week, Grace? (sighs) Well, uh, this year I have decided to do a one-year experiment, which is basically a manifestation experiment where you try to see just how good life can get in a year. And if you can do what's called a quantum leap, it's very woo-woo, very spiritual girly, but basically I'm trying to just keep my mindset in the best place possible for this entire year. And I'm really trying to embody the idea of like acting as if which I know we talked about a little bit on our New Year Better Goals episode. And I'm going to try to see how much I can do this year and basically just how good life can get. So that's been really fun. I have started doing like some new habits and I'm keeping track of my habits in Notion and talking about my goals with people just to keep me accountable and, you know, telling my therapist about it, which has been really good. Um, I will say the past couple weeks have been a bit of a struggle on the mental health front, but I don't know. I kind of woke up yesterday or today and just like felt better and I was like okay we're just gonna take whatever win yeah I'm like you know what like a win is a win we're gonna take it um I think after the holidays we're just all cold and gloomy and there's not really a holiday to look forward to I feel like my mental health starts to just dwindle a little bit but I have realized as a part of this uh past few weeks which I've learned before but it kind of 
hit me like a bus <laughs> as this as a new real realization. But um, without your health, you really don't have much. And I feel like there are so many things I can be doing to help my health, right? So I recently started listening to an audiobook. Um, it's really good. It's called Eat to Beat Depression and Anxiety. And it's all about foods you can eat to kind of keep your cortisol levels lower and just like help with your overall neuroplasticity and brain health. And I'm finding it really fascinating. And it's making me think about other aspects of my life where, you know, last year, one of the things I did was really prioritized sleep. And sleep is so important for brain health and just overall body health because it just regulates literally everything. But it's making me think a lot about exercise as a way to just like make my heart health better or keep my joints in shape. Like I'm starting to think about not just health for like aesthetics, but health for like genuinely feeling better and like longevity and living to be really old. So that's been just like a weird thing. I don't know. I feel like being 25 also is making me think about life differently than I did when I was maybe, you know, 18. And the other update on my life outside of my health is that I heard back from this apartment I was waiting to hear back from and I was approved and I went yesterday to pick out the unit like the exact unit that I want because there was a few available with the same floor plan so I picked out a really cute corner unit and I'm really excited so now I just have to wait for them to send the lease over to me and if all looks good I will be signing it and moving so it isn't in Boston. It's still like an hour out from the city. So not the perfect location necessarily, but I just found that the Boston rental market was insane and I wasn't finding something that I wanted that was also pet friendly. And I do really want to get a dog. So I don't want to, you know, just take a place that's not pet friendly. So it's a bit of a compromise, but you got to do what you got to do. And it's a beautiful unit, brand new building. I'm super excited to share it with you all on my social media, but yeah, I'm excited. I don't know. Things are looking up basically in this corner. I am so excited for you on the apartment thing. I think Thank you're going you. to be so happy there. I know like you just posted a video on TikTok. I saw your video that was like, I'm a suburban girly and like, yes. that's okay. We are not all city girls. And I totally relate to that. Like I live in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. It's not an hour outside of Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is obviously a lot smaller than Boston, but I'm still so much happier in the suburbs, especially given a dog. So if you want to get a dog, like I think that's going to be perfect for you. I think you prioritize the right things for the stage of life that you're in. But it's so funny how we're like so on the same page. Grace and I do not like tell each other what we're going to talk about in our little weekly recap and weekly update segment of the podcast. But I literally wrote goals and health as well. And those are the two things that you talked about. Oh my God. On the goals front, like first of all, if you have not listened to our um, New Year's episode, the episode, I think it was episode eight that came out, New Year's Better Goals or something along those lines, go listen to it. I still like reference back to that episode all the time. It was so much fun. But I was just saying like for my weekly recap and weekly update that I am still in such a like goal setting and like goals focused mode right now. Right now it's mid-January when we're filming this and it's going to be end of February mid-January and it'll be end of January by the time this episode comes out but I've just been in like such a place of still like really thinking about my goals and thinking about like setting the goals for how I want 2024 to look I think there's so much pressure to on January 1st have all of your goals mapped out and like those are hard and fast and you can't alter them or anything like that but I feel like that's kind of the worst time to like set your goals. There's so much going on with Christmas and like New Year's and all of the things. But these past couple of weeks have been 
so good for me to just kind of like take a step back and be like, what do I want to focus on? And for me, the, um, the two things that have been really coming up in my life have been organization and health. On the health front, I just posted a video about this on social media last week where I was saying that I feel like I'm a relatively healthy person. <laughs> um, I've always like, at least within the last couple of years, I've really prioritized my health, right? And I've prioritized it in the fact that I work out and I tried to eat healthy. However, I was very humbled last week because I go, I go to the doctors and my resting heart rate was a 98. And if you don't know, if you didn't see my video about this, um, a resting heart rate should be between 60 to 100. But if it's on the upper end of that, that means your like cardiovascular health is weaker. Like someone who could run a marathon would be in like the 40s, like because their heart health is so strong that their resting heart rate is so like low. And I will say, I get so stressed out about the doctors. I hate needles. I knew I was going to have to get blood work. Like I think I was a little bit stressed and I had caffeine in my system. But 98, I was like, okay, so I got to start running again. Then that night, I had my first basketball game for this like adult co ed basketball league that I signed up for. And I was so out of breath in the first like 30 seconds. I'm not even kidding. I wasn't even sweating yet. And my lungs were like in pain. Like it hurt so bad to run up and down the court that I was like, yes, I'm, I consider myself to be in shape from, like you just said, an, an aesthetics standpoint, but I haven't been prioritizing my cardiovascular health. So there's so many different like pillars of health, even when it comes to like fitness and nutrition that I want to start prioritizing being more like holistically healthy. I've been seeing a lot of content lately about how to, like there was this workout video this girl had posted and she was talking about like lifting weights, but then she also talked about this one exercise that is supposed to strengthen your knees or something. And she was talking about how it makes it easier when you're like squatting down and standing up, like it keeps the mobility in your knees. And I've also seen a lot of videos just about general mobility exercises. And I'm like, I, when I used to go to the gym, I would just lift weights. I did, I like my stretching was very minimal, which is not great. And also I'm like, if I bend down to the ground, I look like an 86 year old grandma trying to get up off the ground. Like I'm like, I'm 25. That's crazy. Like there are just so many aspects to health. I feel like they just get overlooked. But when you think about it, you're like, I want to keep my brain healthy and my heart healthy and my joints. And like, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. Yes. I feel like it's so important. It's a lot to keep up with. I um, just recently became, so I've always been like a gym girl as opposed to going to workout classes. I just like being there by myself. It's like my me time. I like to listen to a podcast or put music on and just like be in my own space for an hour. Um, but I was getting to a point where I would just go to the gym and lift weights as well. And I like get into my comfort zone about which workouts I'm doing and I don't really branch out and things like that. So I actually just started using a fitness app. I will say like, so it's called the Week Low app and I'm not like obsessed with it. This is just the first one I tried, but I know there's a bunch of different options out there. So I do plan to like try different ones and like see which one I like the best and which one has the best pricing and all of that. Um, but the benefit of using a fitness app is that they design the workouts for you so that when you go, it takes all of the decision fatigue out of like, oh, I'm in the gym and like today I'm doing back, but like, what am I going to do? It literally will be like, okay, here's your five minute warm up, and here are the three exercises you're going to do. And then you're going to get on the treadmill for 10 minutes to like warm up even further. And then you're going to do X, Y, and Z exercises for the muscle group that you're like working out that day. Mm -hmm. I used to use this one 
and I wish I could remember what it was called because it's it's I'm blanking right now but if I can remember I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes but it's by this girl named Katrina and I she just got married and I think her last name is now McKenna Katrina McKenna but I don't remember what it was before she got married but it's just crazy because I've been following her for ages before she was ever married. I just am blanking. But her app is $9 a month and it has all of that. Like the customized workouts, it has like all these guides and plans and recipes for all sorts of different diets. They have like a hormone aspect of it where you can like get all these recipes for like managing your hormones better and like cycle syncing and like there's so much to it and it's like nine bucks a month. And I used to use it and I loved it. Um, I thought it was so good and the workouts are so friggin' hard. So I think I'm going to reactivate it maybe when I, the apartment that I might move into, they don't have a gym. So they partner with one of the local gyms where you can get a discounted membership. And that gym has literally like everything under the sun, fitness classes, like a free weights area, like all of it. So I'm thinking I might reactivate something like that and use that app because it's been a while since I've been in the gym, like over a year <laughs> since I was a weightlifting girly. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I need, I need <laughs> no, you a don't. bit of a refresher. <laughs> like I'm sure if I pick up the weights, I'd be like, what? okay, all right, here we go. Or I'd like go back to a machine and I'd be like, yeah, 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 I got it. Okay. But in terms of like structuring a workout, I yes. use a little assistance. It's so, so much better when someone else is doing it for you. Definitely let me know what the name of that app is because yeah. I want to try it. Like I said, I want to try some different ones. This one's $20 a month and like as someone who like knows how to work out, I don't feel like I need $20 a month worth of help. Um, so let me, let me know what that one is. Yeah. But, um, I think that wraps up our weekly recap. We're running out of time in that, but let's bring on Megan Lim. Hello, Megan, and welcome to the Girls Talk Money podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. We did give a little bit of an intro about you and who you are, but if you could tell Obviously, we know who you are, but can you tell our audience a little bit about you and your story and what you do for work and, and how you got into side hustling? Sure. Yeah. My name is Megan. Um, I'm at Megan Makes Money on TikTok and Instagram. I make content on personal finance. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. This is my first ever podcast, so thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, this, I'm so excited, and it's crazy because I definitely saw both of your content before pursuing social media, so to be here um, feels like an honor. And what I do, um, I'm, I work as a financial analyst for a Fortune 500 company. I do content on the side. I've been doing side hustles since college and it's really helped me a lot because I've lost a job three times post-grad. So I'm really grateful to have done those things because I think that definitely helped me in my financial journey. And, you know, I do have debt as well. Like I have car payments and student loan payments. So having those extra streams of income helps me to pay down those things faster. So really glad to be here. And I'm so excited to talk about side hustles and all things money related. Wait, that's so interesting. Like we, we obviously know Megan, we're friends with Megan. We hung out with Megan at FinCon um, in the fall, but I did not know that you lost your job three times since you graduated from college. Do you want to walk us through kind of like what your career history has looked yeah. like since college and all of that? Talk about all the good unemployment stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's definitely like a wild ride. So, um, 
back in college, I was actually a nursing major. And if you know anything about Filipino culture, it's very stereotypical for Filipinos to be nurses. Both my parents are nurses. So I went through that field because I felt like that was something that they wanted me to pursue. And I thought at the time it was something I wanted to pursue. Um, long story short, I was in nursing school for one semester. I did not like it. I passed. I mean, I failed by like one point. So, and I figured that wasn't for me. Um, I decided to major in finance because I felt like that was something that always interests me. Um, my dad would always talk about the stock market. He is very big on investing. So I learned a lot about it from him and always found interest in personal finance. Um, so I switched my major to finance and then post-grad, I got my first job at Vanguard as a client relationship associate. And in this job, you had to take these different certifications, which I never even learned any of this stuff in school, which is crazy. So part of the certificate certifications I had to take was the SIE, the Series 7, and the Series 63, um, all which were uh, really hard, had to study a lot for. I passed my SIC, SIE exam. Um, the Series 7 is a lot more difficult, and it talks a lot about options and stuff, so I failed that one. Um, you had two tries to take it. I failed the second time by one point, and so I lost that job. After that job, I became a loan setup for a mortgage company. I was there for about 10 months. I really enjoyed it. I thought I was going to go along like the loan officer path, um, and then I got laid off from that company. Uh, and after that, I was an AML analyst at, um, I was, I was basically what an AML analyst is, is basically an anti-money laundering analyst. And so my job was to review transactions to see like who's fraudulent or not. And I didn't find it fulfilling. It was very monotonous and boring. Um, so I wasn't there for too long because I was already looking for my next role. I thought since college that I wanted to pursue like financial analysts, that kind of field. And so I just kept looking for financial analyst roles. And honestly, something that I didn't know about post-grad was how difficult it is to find a job. Um, so during, like, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't get internship experience because it was really difficult for me to find an internship. Um, so to be a financial analyst was also difficult since I didn't necessarily have experience in that field. So I did th certain things to kind of get me prepared. I took a Google data analytics certificate. I just applied myself every single day. Then I landed a role as a junior financial analyst while working for the AML analyst job. And I was there for about a year. Um, and I'll give the story, but basically I lost that job because of a mistake that I made. Uh, what happened was I was supposed to send a daily sales report. Um, and for 2023, I was... I wasn't sending it anymore. And so people were emailing me like, hey, where's the daily sales report? So I thought I was being um, proactive in my defense. So I just emailed like 100 people in the company saying, hey, we no longer have the daily sales report. Um, please look out for a revised version later. And so one of my bosses saw the email and got really upset because I didn't ask permission before sending that email. It was basically like a miscommunication. It was something very minor. And so he talked about me in the group chat in our team's group chat, which was an accident. So basically he was like, hey, like I needed to get a PIP um, ASAP. And so like the whole group chat saw it, he ended up deleting his messages. And then my, my other boss told HR what happened. And so I had the choice between taking a PIP and a severance. 
Um, so I took the severance because I heard that when you take a PIP, which is a personal improvement plan, you don't usually come out of it. And if you don't do anything right, you could end up losing the job. So I decided to take the severance. Um, so I was paid out for three months and no longer had the job. So that was the third time I lost that job. And honestly, like looking back, I definitely made some uneasy financial decisions. So one of the biggest financial mistakes I made during this time, like even though it sounds smart, it wasn't. As soon as I got that severance, I took most of that money and I put it in my Roth IRA. I was like, hey, like I can max out my Roth IRA. I had an emergency savings too, but I thought like, oh, let's not worry about that. Like, I'm sure I can find a job. So I put that money in my Roth IRA. I traveled too. Um, so I, I used that money to travel. I went to see my family and I also traveled solo. Um, and I don't regret it, but I think looking back, like knowing that I was going to not have a job for that long, I probably would have not put that money into my Roth IRA, would have put it into emergency savings and saved it for myself. But yeah, that's like the long history. That job. <laughs> no, when it comes to, this is all very fascinating because like Erin said, like we know Megan, we met Megan at FinCon, but I didn't know your entire story. So it's really fascinating to hear. And I also think it's probably very relatable to hear for other people who have gone through the same thing being unemployed. Like you're like, wait, I was unemployed for so long. I finally get another job and then something happens and I end up unemployed like a year later. And it's like, what the heck? Like, so I think it's refreshing for people to hear that. I think you, you dodged a, a bullet with taking the severance and making that choice like I would not have wanted to stay in that type of work environment any longer mm -hmm. so I wouldn't fault yourself for for making that decision um but so now you work as a financial analyst right yes yeah so actually during and, my do you like it yeah um eh, <laughs> no but um yeah I I don't I think it's because um the team like I I like the people I work with and I think the job is fine. I think with the job I'm doing now, one of my coworkers just left. So her work is kind of putting, being put onto me. And I still feel like I'm still relatively new to this role because in my previous role, I was just a junior analyst. And to be fair, like I wasn't doing that much work or learning as much. And also during that time that I was with the company, my senior manager was only with me for a month or two and then she left. So it's kind of happening all over again. Like I just started with this company and the person who was training me has been with me for a month and she's she has now left so it's I feel like I'm going through that cycle where I feel lost but I don't see a future with it anytime soon but um that that's my take on the job right now <laughs> so before you got this job this financial analyst yes. position that you have now you were unemployed for it was roughly nine months right yes yes I so was what did you yeah, what'd you do to stay afloat during that time? I know we're going to talk a little bit about side hustles, and I know that's something that's helped, but like, what did that look like to be unemployed for nine months, and how were you continuing to pay rent and pay your bills and everything like that? Yeah, so for me, um, I live pretty simply. I do live with two other roommates, which helps with the cost of rent. Um, I love my roommates so much, so we rent a house, and I only pay 681 for rent. But to, what has kept me afloat the most during all of these unemployment times was my pet sitting business. So I started pet sitting in college. Um, and funny story, like I was visiting my boyfriend and he was in school at Pittsburgh. And I saw this flyer that said, hey, like we're looking for walkers for the WAG app. So that's the first time I heard about WAG. And I was so fascinated because I've always been a big dog lover. 
And I was like, whoa, you can make money by just walking dogs. So as soon as I saw that flyer, I signed up immediately. And then the same week I signed up for Rover pet sitting. And so I started doing that in college. I think I got my first booking a month later. Um, so that um, has been helpful to me. Not only do I love doing it, but it, it does pay well. And the more experience that you have doing so, um, and the more reviews you get, the more you can charge. So for the longest time, for like two or three years out of college, I was charging maybe 35 to 40 a night for boarding. Um, and then I, later I started doing house sitting because house sitting tends to pay more where you stay at the owner's house and watch their dog. And I realized I was undercharging myself because I kept getting so many requests. So I just kept raising the rate higher and higher. And I was just curious, like, who would who would book me? Like, how high can this go? So now I charge anywhere between 100 to 120, depending on how many dogs. And if it's if it's a holiday, it's $150 a night. And so at like doing this for five years, I was able to build up a nice clientele. Um, and of course, like all of the people that I watch dogs for have a very nice income. Like they're all doctors, lawyers, travel nurses. So they're willing to pay that price for me. Um, and having that during those unemployment times has helped me to sustain that um, living because I, again, I keep my living expenses low. Um, and of course, like when it comes to being unemployed, I have to cut back in certain ways. So no more eating out as much. Um, I don't really shop that often. So I just try to find things to occupy me in the meantime. And during that unemployment time too, I also wanted to start making content because I always knew that content creators made a lot of money. So I figured while I have all this time, why not make use of it and try it out? Yeah, I was ready to say, I what I love about, I'm not a pet sitter. I have my own pet. I sit her mm -hmm. all the time, but um, I've never <laughs> tried like the whole pet sitting thing or dog walking or anything like that for money. But pet sitting and house sitting are relatively passive ways to make money. Like obviously you have to yes. go to the house if you're house sitting, but dogs don't require like your attention 24 seven as if you were babysitting a child or something like that. Because I know you mentioned when you were unemployed and you were looking to get into more of a financial analyst role, you did some certificate courses and things like that. So that's such a great way to still earn money and still earn a pretty good amount of money because your rates are pretty high, yeah. um, but still have time to focus on the things to advance your career or start your content creation or like start whatever like other side hustle on your computer you want to do or anything like that. Um, I think that's like a really good way to look at it. Yeah, no, I agree. And the nice thing about pet sitting too is like, when you raise your rates and you have wealthier clients, they have nicer homes and they usually have a fenced in backyard. Um, a lot of my clients too, like their dogs don't necessarily get along with other dogs. So I don't even have to walk them. Like they'll have a fenced in yard. And my job is to open the door a couple times a day to let them use the bathroom and feed them. And it doesn't even feel like work because it's just giving them company and feeding them. And, you know, dogs aren't pretty low maintenance. Um, and also, of course, I, I choose to pick on the good clients. Like I don't, I've never had necessarily a bad dog. Um, I've only had one bad experience on WAG where this Pomeranian bit me, but that's because I don't know why this person put their dog on WAG. Like if your dog doesn't get along with strangers, you shouldn't do that because to even get the dog on the leash took like 20 minutes. Um, other than that, no, like all, all the dogs I've watched are pretty chill and usually people with higher incomes are willing to pay, you know, for training. Um, they'll have a nicer house and 
backyard with a fence. So it's it's a super low maintenance job and it's pretty easy. Like anyone can do it. But of course, you have to be proactive. You have to update the client with pictures and let them know that you're taking good care of their pets as well. So I know you said you started pet sitting in college, but how did that look between what you're doing when you're working full-time versus what you were doing when you were unemployed? Because I know like one really good benefit of, and I know we want to talk about diversifying our income too, which we want to get your perspective on that. But the big benefit of diversifying your income while you are employed is that if you do ever become unemployed, you don't lose all of your income and you have skills in other areas that you can sort of like increase your hours with or anything like that. So can you give us an idea of how much time you're spending on one? Tell us if you have any other side hustles that you like do currently or like have done in the past when you were unemployed or anything like that. Um, But kind of give us an idea too of how much time you were spending on them when you were unemployed versus now or when you were fully employed. Yeah. So um, uh, I forgot to touch on this, but in college, I tried many different side hustles. I think like College was really the best time that motivated me to want to make more money because, of course, like when you're in college, everyone feels like a broke college student. Like you always want to find something to make money, but also you don't want to take you don't want it to take up too much of your time. So some other side hustles I tried and somewhat still do is reselling, um, which is pretty easy. I think like anyone can do it, especially in their own home. We all have things that in our house that we don't use anymore. And so just put it on Facebook Marketplace, put it on eBay. Somebody will find use out of it. Um, and I used to watch like YouTube videos of Gary V. He would go to garage sales and resell things there. I didn't do that. Instead, I would go to like Amazon liquidation stores. And if I found a product that I knew would sell high or I would scan the barcode, I would just buy it and then post it on eBay. Um, I would also sometimes go to thrift stores and do this. One of my friends told me like he had a side hustle where he would go to Goodwill and it's a specific Goodwill. Basically you could get like a bag of clothes and I think for a pound it was like $2 or something, but you could basically pick out the nice clothes, sell them on eBay. And he said he would make like $100 per trip. I didn't make that much, but I would find some cute things and sell those on eBay. Um, Another side hustle I did in college was I did DoorDash. I did Postmates. Postmates was the first one I did. Um, I did like it at the time, but also with food delivery, it's difficult because a lot of people who order food delivery are in apartments. And personally, like, I just don't want to have to drive and to look for their apartment and then to walk up to their place and give their food. Plus, I didn't find it fulfilling. So for me, like, pet sitting and dog walking was better for my time and also because I enjoyed it. So typically, like, for a 20-minute walk, I'll get paid, like, $20. Um, like, these two dogs I just take out, I'll get paid $30 for a drop-in visit. It depends on the client. But I think that was well worth my time because not only am I getting paid to do, like, this fun service, but I'm also getting exercise out of it. Um, some other side hustles? Let me think. Oh, another good one is focus groups. So you can actually get paid to do focus groups, so, like, test doing test trials on products. So one of the focus groups I signed up for, I I think I just like looked up focus groups near me and this company, I was testing for balance breaks. Um, It's a snack company that has like crackers and cheese and they were testing out different snacks. So that was pretty fun. It only took up like an hour and they gave me a hundred ten dollar amazon gift cards so that was cool i did instacart grocery shopping and delivery in like during the pandemic and i completely agree with you on the apartment thing because whenever i would see like on the customer's address that it was like you know such and such unit whatever i was like oh no because i remember 
the apartment complexes where like some people would say call me when you're here and leave my stuff downstairs but then other people would be like please bring to my door so you have to buzz in at the front and then wait for them to like let you in and then I remember this one apartment complex had no elevator I had to go up four (laughs) flights of stairs and then the entrance was at the one end and the person's unit was the complete opposite side of the building and it they had like a month's worth of groceries it was insane and it was a store where they only give you paper bags so there's no Mm -hmm. handles so you can't like load them up your arm when i tell you i probably made like 27 trips this person had had enough (laughs) of me but it was honestly i used to make a lot of money like doing um instacart it was probably around like 50 to 55 dollars an hour um but so on that kind of topic how much were you making if you're comfortable sharing on an average month when you were doing pet sitting, when you were unemployed, and what does that look like now in terms of like income wise? If again, if you're comfortable sharing, yeah, of course. So pet sitting, it really depends. I mean, I have a good set of clients that reach out to me regularly. I have one in my neighbor. I have two in my neighborhood actually that reach out whenever they need me to just come walk their dog. So it would range anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred a month. Um, since content has been taking off, like I've scaled back a little bit, but not that much. I really just don't take on clients during my work day. Instead, I give it to my roommate who helps me with pet sitting because she also pet sits too. Um, so I do that. And yeah, I would still say I make an average around a thousand a month. Um, it, of course, like in the holidays, you could make more money, but personally, I'd rather use that time to spend it with family. So I'm, I'm willing to just like let that go for yeah, the sake of like spending time with others. That's such a good point because once you kind of like get started with something like that and establish yourself in your community, you get the best gigs. I know my one friend like lives in my apartment complex and everyone goes to her for walking their dog and babysitting Mm -hmm. and all of the things. So she kind of gets to pick and choose which gigs work for her. And she's been able to increase her rates because she's in high demand. Like we were literally walking through Target the one day and this girl was uh, walking next to us in the activewear aisle and she had a little baby in the stroller and she literally walked up to her and was like, your baby's so cute. Like I babysit if you ever seen that. She's out here like telling people, you know what I mean? But now she has all the best gigs because she's established herself in the community and you like literally don't even have to leave your little like complex or your housing plan or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Honestly, like that's another step that I think like, it's it's hard but to make that move and just like be willing to pitch yourself because i i'm scared to do that but i know that's a great way to do it as well just talking to people with kids or dogs be like hey by the way i do this on the side um another a question i get a lot from people is like when they set up their rover profile they always ask me how come i'm not getting hits in my profile so i just want to give some advice to people who want to start pet sitting if you're not getting hits in your rover profile it's One of the reasons could be that you live in a remote city. If you live in a city with a lot of pets, then it's a lot easier. The second thing is like, do you have testimonials? Of course, like when you're starting out anything, um, any business, honestly, like you're not going to have any reviews. So to have like a friend, when you, when you start on Rover, you're able to ask for three testimonials. So just having three people to write a good review about you and maybe even have a friend book you on Rover and give you that five-star review just to boost your profile could help a lot. Um, And of course, like going out of your way for the clients, like doing more than what is asked. I think that really helps reviews and it shows that you're putting an effort. Um, So it's really important to have that established presence when starting any business. And there's so many ways to market yourself. Like 
if when I started, I also posted my services on Facebook groups. Like there's Charlotte Dog Facebook groups, Craigslist. Um, the Nextdoor app is great. It's basically like an app where you can connect with your neighbors. You can post your services there. So be being able to willingly like talk about your services and have that um, extrovertedness to tell people like definitely helps a lot as well. One quick question to what you were kind of mentioning before, how you made, it was like a thousand to $1,500 a month. Approximately how many hours was that? Do you know? Like, what's oh, yeah. like what does the hourly rate kind of check out to? Yeah. So with house sitting, it's hard because it's by night. And also it's like, what do you count as work? Right. So for dog walking, it's easier. I would say like for a 20 to 30 minute walk, I could get paid anywhere between 20 to $30. So hourly, I guess you could say like 40 to $60. Um, but also that's not counting in time to drive to the client. I I try to stay within um, a five mile radius. So I don't want to drive too far to walk someone's dog. I try to stay as close as possible. But again, like you can write that off, um, write off your mileage and stuff. In terms of house sitting, it's kind of hard to gauge because like it's it's per night so every night that you stay at the client's house i let's say i get paid like 120 dollars um you can't really break it down hourly because like what part of that counts as work right so for me to like pour the dog food and like open the door to let them out maybe that takes like less than two hours of work so and then maybe if i'm even taking them on a 30 minute walk so you could say like 120 dollars for two hours like maybe 60 an hour um yeah, that's how I would calculate it. Okay, so you just said something so interesting, and I want you to expand on it. You said that if you drive to a like dog walking gig or something mm -hmm. like that, write it off. Can you talk us through logistically how that works? Like, do you have an LLC set up for your pet sitting business? Do you keep track of exactly how many miles you drive? Like, how does this work? Okay, honestly, I'm the worst person to ask this question because I know I should be tracking. No, I don't have an LLC because it's more of side income for me. It's not like I'm making crazy money from it. Um, but if you want to go the technical and right way to do it, you should be tracking your miles with an app. Personally, like I just don't have the time for that. So I just tell um, my accountant the approximate miles. Like I'll, I'll think of all my clients and kind of just do the math of how many ways I'm going back and forth. Um, but yes, that's something you can definitely write off. Um, keeping track of your mileage in an app, you can also write off like boat, like anything you buy for the pet. Maybe that's like poop bags, um, treats, anything that is in that business you can write off. But no, I, I do not have an LLC for my pet sitting business. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think that you did. I think that's really interesting, though. That's a big benefit of using some of these like app platforms for your side hustle is they keep track of all of your income. And I'm sure that makes taxes at the end of the year so much easier rather than if you're collecting cash from a lot of people or just kind of these like one off gigs, but the apps really like centralize it. And I know if you're doing like DoorDash and Instacart, the same rules apply with the mileage and all of that. So that's a really good tip as well. I was going to say when I did Instacart grocery delivery, I also didn't track my miles for like the first entire year. And then I had an accountant tell me to track them. And when I tell you, I had a Google sheet where I literally tracked like, okay, I went on this date. I went from here to here to here to here. And I would go on Google maps and figure out how many miles it was between every single location because I had an accountant that was very like 
strict about how we do things and was like, if the IRS were to audit you, you would want to have this information. So I was like, all right, you know, I don't play with the IRS. I'm not here to fuck around and find out. So I made an entire Google sheet and it, I mean, I literally did Instacart around 50 hours a week, every week during the pandemic because everyone was home and I had nothing to do. It was so painful. So there is an app called Mile IQ that you can use. Um, mm -hmm. I used to use one called Stride, but I don't think Stride exists anymore. Or if it does, I don't think it tracks miles. Um, I know there was something kind of funky about it when I stopped doing Instacart, but Mile IQ can track your miles and it does get you a decent bit off in your write-off, um, especially for something like, you know, if you're only driving a couple miles here and there, it probably wouldn't add up as much. But I mean, for some of these clients, I was driving like 20 miles to their house or like, mm -hmm. you know, from the grocery store because you'd get paid more, but it is yeah. interesting to track. Um, we had one listener question that just as you're talking about all the different kind of side hustles you've tried, which I thought this was such a cool, like interesting, silly kind of question, but they wanted to know what was the oddest side hustle you tried? Like what was like the weirdest or most out there side hustle you tried? Oh, that's hard. I have to think. I would, I would say, I wouldn't say this is odd, but it was definitely interesting. Honestly, like also having connections with friends helps because sometimes these side hustles kind of fall in my lap. For example, babysitting, my friend's sister reached out to me to watch her kid. But I would say the oddest was uh, my friend reached out to me and asked if I could help her do some marketing for five hour energy. So I would go to gas stations and like basically uh, reassemble their products to make it look good. And then she would like pay me hourly for that. So I literally go to the gas stations and like, face the bottle so that the five hour energy logo was facing um and i had to take pictures of it and answer questions so that was like really strange but but did the gas station workers know what you were doing or were you just yeah. supposed to go in there like incognito and just like twist around all the bottles well i would tell them what i was doing and sometimes okay. I, I didn't i didn't like it either because sometimes i would go to like sketchy gas stations where the bottles were behind a glass so i would have to ask like the attendant to face the bottles for me so i didn't i didn't do that for too long but she paid me like i think like 15 or 20 an hour i don't remember she also paid me for my mileage as well um, and another interesting one I did was, and I, I actually like this one. I went to Sam's Club and I gave out samples. I was paid like 25 an hour to do that. Wait, I <laughs> love that. That's so yeah. fun. I'm like a Sam's Club girly. I love the samples. I love that. The the one about the gas stations makes me think, I don't, you probably never tried this, but maybe you've heard of it. Have you heard of like mystery shopping? Like, do you know what that is? Kind of. Could you explain that? Because I hear about it, but it's I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I've never done it either. If anyone listening to this has tried this, like definitely let us know how it goes. But um, essentially, you get paid to go to a restaurant and like get food and rate your experience. So you're like oh. incognito and kind of like testing them on how well they and then you like leave a review or something that's my interpretation of it I, I don't know if you get paid all the time but you can at least get like a free meal which is kind of cool I feel like I looked at I, I was also a big like how can I make money in college and it yeah. was the pandemic so I was just bored and was like on my computer all the time um I never actually went through with it but I kept seeing that pop up as like a side hustle idea Oh, wow. That's, that sounds fun. Like, I'll definitely look into that. Um, one of the other interesting side hustles I forgot to mention that I did in college was drop shipping. I'm sure, like, you guys have seen, it was, it's all over the internet. It's like, oh my gosh, you can make money online through your computer. It is not that easy. Like, 
I tried it in college. I lost money doing it. I I started like a pet store. I've made a few sales, but then the ad spend, it was like $10 a day. And so I ended up losing more money doing that. I'm sure there's people who are successful with it, but dropshipping is is not easy at all. So if they make it look easy on the internet, it's not. I feel like with dropshipping, there's so many different factors that go into it being successful. And there are like initial startup costs that I feel like, like you just have to put that investment in. As where with something like content creation, which I want to talk to you about. So I know that you know, with content creation, there's really not a lot of startup costs. I mean, you don't need anything other than your smartphone, which I know the vast majority of people have. But when, so you decided to get into content creation while you were unemployed. So how long ago did you start your account? And did you do it for a side hustle? Did you do it to just like be a hobby? Like what made you want to start it? So funny story. I started content creation way before I even lost my job. Um, I think I, I always had that inkling to make content since I was a kid, because when I was 10 years old, uh, my friend had a camera, and so he would always film me, and I used to pretend to be a YouTuber, and then in high school, like, I, <laughs> I would make uh, these really good videos, because we had, we had to make videos based on history projects, and so I had the best videos, and my teacher would always play them in class, so I feel like content creation was always ingrained in me in some shape or form, and prior to me even losing my job, like, when TikTok was on the rise and stuff, I had a friend who um, made content on food and she blew up like crazy. And so seeing her blow up was like, wow, like, let me try this. And so I committed to making food content every day for like uh, 20 or 30 days. And being a food creator is hard because I, I give props to any food creator because to be able to cook the food and film it and edit and clean, like that was a lot of work. And I didn't really gain traction from it. So um, I kind of just pushed it aside. I think I tried it like two or three times. Like I tried making a new account. And so that just didn't work for me. And so when I lost my job, um, I decided to travel solo to Asia and I wanted to be like a travel and food content creator. So I committed to making a video and I posted it on my personal account as well as my other TikTok page. So I posted my adventures in Asia. Actually, like two of the videos blew up. Um, one of them was me filming these kids in the Philippines who like built these like impressive sand, sculpt sand sculptures. And so it got like 3 million views. And so I thought, wow, like this is amazing. Like if I keep going with this, um, I can probably turn this into a side hustle. And after my travel trip, I realized, well, I can't be posting travel and food content all the time because one, I have to spend money. And two, like I don't travel and eat all the time or eat at nice places. And so I decided to pivot my niche to personal finance because it's something I've always been passionate about and something I knew a lot of information about. Like I knew all the ways to save money. I knew all the ways to make money. I knew all the ways to manage money. And again, I've seen both of your content and I think like seeing you both pay your student loan down with content creation, like that was super inspiring. And just like seeing how people are able to make all this money and pay their debt. And so that was inspiring to me. So I thought to myself, like, if I want to pay this as soon as possible, like I might as well just give it a try. And so I started to make a video every day and I, I started my page April 29 and I committed to posting daily. I and, love that so yeah. much. I love that you wanted to be a travel content creator because I've always wanted to be a blogger. I was never like big into YouTube or like anything like that, but I always wanted to be a blogger and I wanted to be a travel blogger. I studied abroad in college. And when I came back, mm -hmm. I was like building a little website and all the things and then I had the same realization. I was like, well, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm in my college dorm room. So I don't think that's going to go over very well. Um, so that's so funny that we both pivoted into 
personal finance, but we wanted to ask you a specific question about um, the whole content creation thing, because we think like with you being unemployed, you'll have a very interesting take on this. And we don't know what that take is going to be. But after being unemployed so many times, could you see yourself or would you ever quit a full-time job to be a full-time creator or a business owner or an entrepreneur? Yeah, 100%. I feel like entrepreneurship was always in my blood. I just never took that step because I was scared. Um, Especially with content creation, it's hard because like you're putting yourself out there. And my biggest fear was I didn't want people to think weird of me. Like I was already going through these phases of posting videos. And so what I did was I didn't tell anyone that I was making personal finance content until I got to a certain point where I felt confident enough to share it. But yes, um, entrepreneurship and content creation is definitely something I want to do. Um, I do see myself like planning to quit my job sometime this year. I genuinely love making content. And I think like when I quit my job, I'll have more time to focus on that and also pivot to maybe YouTube and podcasting as well. And actually, um, something I learned out of through this whole unemployment experience is I actually value my time more than money and to get time, you need money. And so to have that freedom of just like being able to kind of make my schedule and do what I want. I value that so much. And going from unemployed of nine months and doing side hustles to being employed, working 40 hours a week, it definitely takes a toll on me. Like, I feel like I can't achieve as much. I know like you can always make time during your day, but eight hours a day, I think is pretty demanding. And I think that's something our generation is starting to realize. Like we, we don't want to work 40 hours a week for so many reasons. It's, it's just, it's time consuming. It's not fulfilling. And I think like the work-life balance is starting to um, become like more seen. And I think people are starting to realize like, why are we working this many hours for what? Like to retire and then at what, like age 65. And for me, that that's just not the life I want to live. Like I want to be able to still do the things that I want and also like earn income on the side. I love that take so much. Being unemployed probably also really made you look at how much money you need to live. And you probably realize that you don't need as much as you think. Like you really understand now, like what your minimums are, what you need to make. And like, that might not be a 40 hour a week job. It might be a combination of side hustles with your pet sitting business and content creation or something along those lines. Yes, I agree. And I think like, also I, I have ADHD. So for me to like sit on my computer all day is just not, it does not help that at all. And I think I love like being able to move. And so if I can just like do multiple things and not have to stick to one thing, I think that would make me a lot happier. And again, I'm all about freedom of time. So um, also I wanted to mention like during my unemployment journey, I could have probably found a job and took a, taken a pay cut. But for me, like the reason why I decided to rely on side hustles and like just budget as much as I can is again, I, I don't like to work long hours. So I, I value my time a lot. So that's why I made the personal decision of just trying different side hustles and relying on my savings um, and just keeping my costs low so that I don't have to struggle. Like I don't have to work more and then have to pay for more things. It's it's a balance. So with content creation becoming like a bigger aspect of your life now, because I do want to touch on one thing that you said, you say, you're saying that you, you didn't tell anybody about your pages until it got to a certain point. And I want to note here for listeners, right? That what was it like? You didn't say anything until you got to 10K on Instagram? Yeah. Was it 10K? 10K. So Megan has like almost 130K on Instagram now. And what did you just announce that you had a page and you had 10K? It was like, it feels like it was a few weeks ago. Like you have yeah. grown rapidly, rapidly. And 
what I'm noticing is you're like sharing your whole story. Cause like I said, Erin and I did not know your like full story. You are incredibly persistent and resilient and consistent as well. And I want to commend you for that because talking about just like your career journey and ending up unemployed so many times and your content creation journey, you are incredibly persistent. And I just want to congratulate you for that and just make note of it because I mean, like I said, your page growing from what, like 3k to 130k in the span of a month is absolutely (laughs) insane. And I know that you and I had conversations one-on-one about like both feeling really frustrated with our growth and like just having to really like stick to it. And as where I burnt out and had to take time off, like you were like, I'm going to put pedal to the pedal and keep going. And you have, and you've grown so much. So it is something to be proud of. But I also think it is such a good example of just how quickly things can change if you do put in the work and effort to like have let them come to fruition. You know what I mean? Like you weren't just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, hoping that, you know, a community came to you on social media. You were you post so consistently and you're constantly engaging with your audience and responding to them and going live and doing all the things. And that's what generates a really incredible community. And I think that's really inspiring for a lot of people that might want to do something similar. So now that content creation is like, a, you know, your page has blown up, like, what is that looking like for a side hustle? Like, are you monetizing that? Are you looking to monetize it? Like, where do you see that kind of going? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty open with like the finances behind my content as well. So I'll just give a little perspective. Like, I honestly thought I was going to go into this with the brand deal route. Like, I saw how much people were getting paid by brand deals. But then after talking to a lot of creators, it's not very consistent. And I saw you guys had budget templates. And I'm pretty Excel savvy. And having that from my work experience, I love using Excel. So I made a budget template too. And in just one month, like I made $14,000 just from those sales, which is insane. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I would have never imagined like hitting a five figure month. Um, And to me, it's, I feel like it's just making up for all that lost time that I didn't have a job because during that nine month, like my content didn't really take off. Like I was, I was struggling. I was posting for a long time. And of course, like I had these conversations with you, how I was like, why aren't I getting these followers? Like I'm putting in all this effort. So my piece of advice, piece of advice for anyone who wants to get into content is to be patient, but be persistent. Um, Know that it doesn't come easy for everyone. It didn't come easy for me. There are people on the app, like, it's crazy. There are people who start content and will blow up in one week, but then there will, there are people who won't blow up until a year or two later. But at the end of the day, it's all about being persistent and posting good quality content that people want to watch. Um, And it's a very lucrative thing to do. So seeing that I can like do different income streams with this as well, like affiliate, affiliate links, um, also UGC and brand deals and even, and selling digital products. I think like it's a great way to diversify your income in the online space. And when you're putting your face and yourself out there and people see you and they trust you, they're more willing to buy your stuff. Definitely. I love that you said the whole like brand deal versus digital products thing, because you're really coming at it from a business owner standpoint. And I also love that you are you have the full-time creator on your 2024 roadmap because like Grace was saying, things can change so fast. But I think with creators, I know for me, something that I struggled with after I hit that growth 
was it still took me a really long time to kind of like accept the growth and accept that that growth was here to stay. I I was still feeling like I could never be a full-time creator. I could I could never do that. Like what if one day like my TikTok channel goes away or something like that? Um but I feel like even with the whole you didn't take a job that you didn't love because you valued your time. Like you were very, you understand like what you want out of life and you're willing to go after that. And I love that. And you're going to do such successful things. So I can't wait to watch, but we're almost out of time. So we want to ask you one final question before we get off of here. And obviously you can plug your channels and tell everyone where to find you. Um, but our final question for you is if we wrote you a check for a hundred thousand dollars, what would you do with it and why? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I would have, of course, invest probably the majority of it because, again, I value my time more than money. And then I would probably take like ten thousand of it and just travel. I I love traveling. I love visiting new places, and I love like seeing new cultures and trying new foods. Um, but again, if I if I don't have to work as hard with that money, then I will try to use it to make more passive income streams. And of course, like enjoy some of it, because anytime you have that large amount, it's important to treat yourself, but it's also important to think about your future. Yeah, 100%. I love that response. But that's all for today's episode. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find more? Because I'm sure they're all super curious and want to go stock all of your pages. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, if you guys want to help me, my TikTok page is not doing so well. It's at 7,000 followers. I don't know why. But um, yeah, my TikTok is and my Instagram are the same. It's at Megan Makes Money, but the Megan has an H in it, M-E-G-H-A-N. Um, you can find me there. And then if I I also want to do YouTube and podcasting, so if I that ever comes, I'll be sure to announce it in my channels as well. I love that. We'll link all of your pages in the show notes as well. But that's all for today's episode. Thank you, Megan, so much for coming on to the Girls Talk Money podcast. And we'll talk to you next week.